Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, the first game without Joe Burrow didn't go so well. Bengals lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday with Jake Browning under center. We will get into all that. We've got a, we've got a lot of stuff to get into. You know, this team is in a weird place in it right now without Joe Burrow. And, you know, are there, are there playoff chances still alive? Based on Sunday, I, I think we could probably say probably not, um, but we'll get into all that. We've, we've got a lot of stuff to go over. We've got some news right off the top, some Bengals-related news on Joe Burrow and Willie Anderson to talk about. We'll, we'll get into that Steelers loss on Sunday. We're going to look ahead to the to the free agent class that the Bengals have for 2024, which is a really interesting group of players, Jay, that I think we, we've got some thoughts on who's going to be back and who, and who might not be back next year. And then we'll talk Jaguars, of course, the Monday night game. So, Jay, man, Sunday, Sunday's game, what a... What a, what a kind of disappointment, honestly, I think from from all all perspectives. But let's get into this news real quick that Joe Burrow did have his surgery on his injured wrist. Um, what, what's the timeline, I think, for him as we look towards next year? Obviously, he won't be back this season, but the surgery is done. They said it was successful. Has a team ever announced an unsuccessful surgery? I don't know if that's ever happened, but what are, what are we looking at in terms of Joe Burrow in, in 2024 and when he could be back with this team? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that he'll be ready to go on day one of OTAs um, as far as when in the offseason he can start letting it rip and throwing and, and working on the mechanics like he does every year. Um, we'll find out more about that. Zach said he kind of had an idea, but he didn't want to say anything yesterday until the surgery was mm-hmm. official. And it was, you know, it was late afternoon, a five o'clock range or so, I think, when you know, they, they finally started communicating with Joe's parents and and putting together their press release on, on how they wanted to, to say, you know, mention what, what how the surgery went well and all that. Talk to the doctors. So um, I'm sure Zach will have all that information for us uh, on on Thursday this week. Normally we get him on Wednesday, but because of the Monday night game, uh, no media access today on Tuesday or on Wednesday. And then the first time we'll hear from Zach and Jake Browning leading into the the game against the Jaguars will be Thursday so they should have a better idea um I I you know they said expected to make a full recovery as you said that's that's what they always say after these kind of things but you know it's not a knee it's yes all surgeries are serious but um you know you were talking about a wrist uh it's not that grueling rehab like an ACL or something like that would be so I, I think there's there's a lot of expectations that he will be ready to go day one of OTAs in April um, and probably sooner. Probably we will see somewhere on his Instagram or somewhere the first time he goes out and, and lets it rip and throws. And uh, I, I think uh, everybody, all the Bengals fans will be eagerly awaiting that post. Yeah, so he'll have I, like something of a normal offseason, right? So, so like which he hardly ever yeah. has seemingly had. Um, so, that, I mean, that's good news. That's good news. I, obviously, we're going to have to wait for more information to see where things are at. And, but like you said, it's not a, it, this isn't like a severe career altering injury. It, it stinks that he won't be around for the rest of the year, but I, I think everyone has the expectation that he'll be fine moving forward. He will be around. He will be, he yes, just he won't, won't be, be playing. on the field. And, and it, they, they made that yeah. clear that he's, you know, with the ACL, he was out in California, he was rehabbing. He wasn't around. He absolutely wants to be around. He wants to be an asset for Jake Browning. Um, you know, last week he was going through stretch <laughs> with the team. It's like, you know, you're not even going to practice, but he was, he just wants to be a part of everything. And, and I think that's big, um, especially for a guy that just signed that contract and, and what he means to this organization. And, and he can, he, you know, you, you look, we'll get, we're going to get into the Pittsburgh game, but you look at some of the mistakes that, that Jake Browning made in that game and, and having a guy like Joe Burrow there that has seen post-snap movement. And I mean, he can help him with all that kind of stuff. And I, I don't know, it's, it's 
it's such a, a cluster when, you know, they come over and he's talking upstairs in the booth. He's talking to Dan Pitcher. There's not a lot of time for Joe Burrow to sit down and go through stuff, but there, there are moments and he can be an asset and he wants to be that asset. So that is important. They, they, they expect Joe to be back in the building, if not Wednesday, because the team will practice Wednesday. We just don't have access, but they expect him back Wednesday or Thursday to, to kind of continue that mentoring of Jake Brown. The other bit of Bengals news we got this morning was that Willie Anderson is a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame again, I should say, for the fourth straight year. Um, so there's the Hall of Fame announced 25 semifinalists. There's only one of their offensive linemen, I noticed, which is Jairi Evans, who played for the Saints for a long time. So I think that is beneficial to Willie in terms of getting in. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It, it, it feels like he... I'm interested to get your opinion. It feels like he's like kind of just on that fringe where he might not ever actually get in. If you look at Pro Football Reference has something called a Hall of Fame monitor where they go through and they tally up uh, all pros and, and starting seasons and Pro Bowl appearances and come up with an overall score for a player. And Willie Anderson, in terms of offensive tackles, he's like right outside that range where you would be like a definitive mm-hmm. Hall of Famer. He's kind of in that like Dan Deardorff range um, who did make the Hall of Fame. I, I don't know. I, I think... This, if there's going to be a time that Willie's going to make it, it's probably going to have to be soon because there are other offensive tackles coming down the pike, like Andrew Whitworth and Trent Williams, Tyron Smith, years from now, obviously, that are going to clog up kind of that Hall of Fame track. Um, so I don't know. I, I think he's going to have to get lucky to, to get in. Um, what are your thoughts on this, J.D.? Do you think he's got a chance this year, or is it going to be another year of waiting? I do think he has a chance because, you know, he's he's not just been a finalist four years in a row. He's been a finalist yeah. before. Um, and, and so that's big to get to, to make that next step. And some, at some point later this month, they will trim that list from 25 down to 15 finalists. And I do expect Willie mm-hmm. to be on that list. What you said is important. There's only one other offensive lineman, um, on the list of semifinalists this year. I went back and I looked the last time there was a hall of fame class with no offensive lineman. And it was 2017, uh, 11 of the last 12 hall of fame classes have had an offensive lineman. So you know, you're talking about Evans or, or Willie, and and I just, I wonder. I don't want to sound wrong, but because Ken Riley absolutely deserved it, and it was way overdue, and it's a shame that it happened after he had passed. But I wonder if the voters are like, okay, little Bengals, you know, we we gave you one sure. last week, and now you know it could. Could you see it two years in a row when they've gone forever with, you know, since they've had one? That's that's what I wonder about, just the perception. But, um, you know, it is it is a new era where that were pro football focus and and they went back and they they graded Willie's career. Um, You know, they were asked to do that. They did it. And I I know everyone doesn't look at pro football focus as as the Bible. But I when you're talking about offensive Mm -hmm. linemen, you need something to quantify yeah, there, there that There are no play. stats, and, really, and, except for and, sacks or yeah. pressures and stuff, yeah. And, and what, you know, what Pro Football Focus came up with on that is, I mean, he deserves it based on, on that research. And so I wonder how much the, the the voters, you know, a lot of the voters are even older than I am. It's 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 an old school room, um, and I don't know how much they embrace analytics and then the new, the new yeah. thinking and all that, but... Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I absolutely think he deserves it. I, I, my fingers are crossed for him. I, I love Willie. He's, he's been great to me um, since I've been covering the team. Uh, terrific person. Terrific, obviously, player. Uh, so I'm eager to see um, what happens. I, I fully expect him to be a finalist, and then we'll just wait and see if he actually gets that final call. Yeah, I would love to see him get into. And, and you're right. I think I believe PFF said he was one of the best 
run blocking right tackles of all time, I believe was, was their conclusion, yeah. uh, at least through, through his era in the nineties and early two thousands. So yeah, I would, I would love to see him too. And what you talked about with, with Ken Riley, I think is true. And, and just the fact that Cincinnati being a smaller market, the Bengals not having mm-hmm. a ton of team success, you know, how many Bengals are they really going to put in? Um, I, I do wonder if the fact that the Bengals, the current Bengals are more, you know, in the in the limelight and the spotlight will put more of an emphasis on getting some of those older Bengals into the, into the Hall of Fame and getting more awards and stuff like that. So we'll see. Obviously, we're 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 hoping for Willie to get in. Let's get into this Steelers game, Jay. Uh, not a fun watch. Not a fun watch. Not a long watch. You know, I on Sundays I, yeah. I'm usually watching like eight or eight or nine games during the early slate, so I will go back and watch. Uh, several times these Bengals games. The condensed version was only 34 minutes this week, which I think that's, <laughs> yeah. that's an all-time that's an all-time short uh, episode for me because usually they're 45 to 50 minutes. Um, it just, it, you know, the, the Steelers didn't look great in any capacity, in, in my opinion, but it, the Bengals just looked far worse, which is I think is a scary place if you're a Bengals fan that, to watch this team. Um, even if you had some thought that, Jake Browning could go out there and it maybe with the other talent on this team, take this Bengals team somewhere. I think Sunday was probably enough to show you where the cap on this team is. And it's not to put it all on Jake Browning. I don't think Jake Browning was terrible by any means. I think he no. left some plays on the field. He left some yards on the field. He made some poor decisions, but he, I think he made some good plays too. And I don't think he was like the primary reason for losing. I think there were a lot of other issues. Um, uh, uh, on during this game on Sunday that caused this loss. I think that's actually probably the biggest concern about this team right now is that Jake Browning is a backup quarterback who's probably not going to go out and win you games, but there's a lot of other pieces on this team who just aren't playing up to par right now. Yeah, I mean, you need you need your stars to play like stars, and, and that's not happening. Um, I'm with you. This I don't think – I know this loss was not on Jake Browning's shoulders, but where it gets murky is – the, the the biggest play in the yeah. game, the yeah. interception, was totally on him. So I, I think that people look at that, um, and he owned it yeah. after the game. He said, you know, look, I, I locked in too soon. I saw a pre-snap read, and I stuck with it, and um, I, I shouldn't have done that. I should have been more willing to come off of that. And uh, that it, it, things you learn, you know, totally. start number one in the NFL. That's he, he learned it before he even went back and watched the film. He knew exactly what happened. Um so I, I think there was a lot to like about what he did in that game. And I think people forget it, when you're talking d- degree of difficulty, mm-hmm. making your first career NFL start is tough. Anyhow, going against that Steelers defense. I mean, you just, a lot of the things they like to do with Jake Browning, the, the, the boot naked boots and all that. You can't do that against Pittsburgh, not with high Smith and TJ Watt just out there no. waiting to eat it up. And so um, that they were hamstring there. Um, the, the run game was just, I mean, it was non-existent Disaster. and yes, it was not just the production, the lack of production of it, but the lack of mm-hmm. use of it. I mean, you know, I had the stat that only once in franchise history, 844 games, 864 mm-hmm. games, whatever it's been, have they had fewer rushing attempts than they had in that game. And only twice in franchise history have they had fewer rushing yards than they had in that game. And there's something to be said that, yeah, you, you need to stay committed to it, but it was so bad. It's like, how do you, how do you stay committed to that? And at, at some point it's beating your head against the wall. I always go back to, you know, the Las Vegas game coming out of the bye in 2021. And they went in there with this, this, the damn will break mentality. Yeah. And, and they were going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball. And eventually it's going to break through. And that's what happened. 
that was a Raiders defense that wasn't great. I don't think you can say that against Pittsburgh where we're just going to keep running it and eventually it's going to break through because you're not going to get a lot of chances if you're doing that. You're going to be putting Jake Browning in third and eight, third and nine a lot. Um, so it was just a, a lot working against them in that game. Um, the, the fact that they had a chance to win it, I think, should be encouraging. Um, I, I think the there's bigger issues on the defensive side than there are, you know, with Jake Browning. And, and that's really what was was disappointing is all the explosives mm-hmm. that were still happening in that game, you know, four of them in the first quarter plus. Um, and then a couple deep shots late in the game. DJ Turner played terrific, but he gave up a deep ball. Mike Hilton, I thought, played really well in that game, but he gave up a deep ball. So part of that maybe is a product of the offense only running 40 yes. or 42 snaps, whatever it was, and the defense just wearing down and being on the field so much. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's it just it, it was not ideal. I think there, if if any fans had a, a hope uh, of this team putting together a little bit of run and getting into the playoffs, I, I think reality is hitting them again. Again, and they're not mathematically eliminated, and there, are, there is a path. Uh, it involves winning five of the next six or six of the yeah. next six, which seems like high in the sky yeah. optimism at this point. But um, it's it's not going to look like that every week. And, and Jacksonville's got a good defense, but even saying that, it's not going to be the challenge that the Pittsburgh defense was. But they're going to see that Pittsburgh defense again in a couple of weeks. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think Jake Browning had some good moments. But, I mean, he got pretty lucky not to throw more interceptions than he did. I mean, Pittsburgh dropped – Dropped a couple. I mean, one of them would have been, I think, a pick six, (laughs) like clearly. Um, So I think he got pretty lucky. The running game, it's tough. It's a tough balance like you talked about because you want to help out Jake Browning, right? You want to stay out of the chains and and do something else besides ask him to drop back. But like you said, you don't want to put him in these horrible down and distances where he's facing these long third downs. So how do you balance that? I mean, it certainly doesn't help when Joe Mixon just can't do anything when the offensive line is, is running into each other and making terrible combo blocks and tons of issues that we saw on Sunday. Um, they had a 0%, not, not a single one of their runs was successful, according to, like by the definition of a successful run. It was just a terrible day overall offensively. And then on defense, the Steelers only put up 16 points. So it's so funny. Like they, I think you've heard, unless you've been under a rock, you've heard the stat by now that the Steelers put up 400 yards for the first time in what, 58, 59 games. Yeah, it's not great that the Bengals are the team that allowed that, but they only put up 16 points. I mean, this was the most Lou Anarumo Ben Badombre mm-hmm. break game of all time. <laughs> they just they if they could have put up a few more points on offense, they still could have won this game. Obviously, there's still issues on defense. You can't be giving up this amount of yards to a team that's you know, and it they just fire their offensive coordinator. They're they're learning a new offensive play caller. Kenny Pickett hasn't been able to do anything all season. Najee Harris almost had 100 yards on the ground. Najee Harris, like, if you see Najee Harris run, I'm sure you did if you watched on Sunday. He can't. He has no explosive ability, and yet he almost got 100 yards against the Bengals. There, there are a lot of issues on this defense. It, it's, I think it's going to affect Lou Anarumo's chances of getting a head coaching job too, because. Mm-hmm. You're just seeing so many, and a lot of it looks like mental lapses, and and I think that goes back to coaching issues. And you you hate to put that on Lou and the staff, but there there are problems giving up these explosive plays that I think you have to look at. It's what kind of coaching, what kind of direction are they getting from the staff? That I mean, they're right. Guys are going running right down the seam on Sunday. Pat Firemuth went over 100 yards receiving. Uh, it's just I I don't think that you can put this loss on Jake Browning when your defense is giving up plays to a, to a Pittsburgh offense that hasn't done anything all season. 
Yeah, I thought that was a good game plan by Pittsburgh to because they know that when when you get into third down, that's when Dax Hill comes in and covers mm-hmm. the tight end, and the Bengals have been been better about not letting the the tight ends burn them like that. And so they they threw to Firemuth on the yeah. early downs when you know he was getting lost in the zone or getting behind Logan Wilson a couple times, and so that that was. And then you talk about too. I mean, yeah, there's there's miscommunications, and it's just it's life in the NFL. You're talking about you, you've got a rookie cornerback and DJ Turner starting. You got rookie Jordan Battle making his first career start at safety. Dak Hill, Dax Hill is still basically yeah. a rookie. I mean, he didn't play at all last year. So uh, he's in his first year as a starter. And it's just those kind of growing pains. It's it's something that, you know, Lou's never done. He's he doesn't like to play rookies and now he's got an entire secondary right. full of them. It's and and we're going to see more of that. I mean, Miles Murphy played a lot more than what we've seen. You know, his snap count wasn't as high, but the, the percentage of snaps he was in there was was quite yeah. a bit, and he, I thought he looked good. I Me thought too. that was it. he had a sack, um, and and it was the, the best he's looked in terms of pressure. Um, so, and I thought Battle played really well. So this is it's going to be uh, that it's not people talk about tanking and all that. That's not what we're going to see. But you are going to see them taking longer and longer looks at these guys that are going to be the, the future of the team next year and beyond, um, and. You, you just you're just going to have to deal with some growing pains when when you're doing that. Yeah, it's it's a tough reality to accept, I think, because this this defense was so impressive mm-hmm. last season uh, and really complemented, I think, this this offensive attack. And to see both kind of sides of the ball kind of fall off this season, I, I think it's a tough reality to accept. I think going from where they were last season to now, it, it's kind of it's kind of tough to watch. But it'll be exciting over the rest of the season, I think, to watch these younger players get get more time, see guys like Battle and Turner and maybe some other guys who haven't seen snaps get get more time as the year progresses. So this game wasn't fun to watch, at least from my perspective, but I think we, we learned <laughs> some things uh, that, we get, that we can look at moving forward and, and look at as we go into next week. Um, let's, we're going to turn the page, I think, it's as we look into next year, in the next offseason, and look at this upcoming uh, group of free agents that the Bengals have next year, Jay. But before we do, let's tell you about the PFN Merchandise Store. It's the holiday season. The PFN Merchandise Store is now open just in time for your holiday gifts. Visit pfnmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, more for the football fan in your life. Act now to take advantage of Black Friday deals. Go to pfnmerch.com today. I've got some Christmas shopping to do, Jay. I think maybe some (laughs) PFN merchandise will be the way I go. Bengals could be doing some shopping next year on the free agent market. They've got they're going to have a ton of cap space. They've got a lot of interesting free agents hitting the market next year. Um, some of these guys are going for their first big contract. Some of these guys will be going for their their second veteran second uh, veteran contract, third overall NFL contract. We know how the Bengals have been with with handing out those contracts to, to older guys. So we're just going to go through some of these veterans, and Jay and I are going to give our thoughts uh, with with a percentage number. We're going to put a number on it. Jay, we know you like stats. I like stats too. We'll we'll put a specific <laughs> number on this for how likely we think these guys are are to come back next season. Um, we're going to start off. We're going to go by position by position. Let's start off with kind of a weird one with a guy we just talked about, and Jake Browning, who is actually not a unrestricted free agent. He's an exclusive rights free agent next year. So that means that he really can't go anywhere. If the Bengals want him back. He will be back. He'll have to sign this essentially league minimum uh, contract offer to come back. Um, I this was a very difficult one for me because we really don't know anything about Jake Browning yet, except for one this one game, which was extremely disappointing. Um, I would think it's probably very unlikely that Jake Browning 
will be back with his team, at least as the backup. I, I would say if you're talking about him coming back as the guaranteed number two quarterback, I'd put that at 15%, something like that next year. Mm-hmm. Um, he could obviously change that. We talked about last week. He has the opportunity to make himself the long-term backup for this team and make himself an NFL career. If it goes like it did on Sunday, I think it's going to be tough, and I think the Bengals will be looking at that veteran QB market next year. Maybe someone like Jacoby Brissett, some someone a little more with a little more experience to come in and back up Joe Burrow. So I I'm going to go 20 percent for Jake Browning. Yeah, I went 50 percent just because it's a it's a coin flip in my mind right now. He still got six games to go to to see what he can do and. Uh, I'm not going to say he's going to play like he did against Pittsburgh over the next six games. I I do think he can be effective and and move this offense, and it's never going to look like Joe Burrow. But um, let's not forget he didn't have T. Higgins on Sunday, sure. and and I expect T. Higgins to be back. And you're talking about if he's got that full complement of Chase and Higgins, Boyd, um, who knows? We're going to see Chase Brown. We're going to see more of that if if he can come in and give this team a spark. I. I think this offense can move the ball. I think it can put up points, and and I think Jake Browning can can make a case for himself. Um, but he hasn't shown it yet, so that's that's why I went fifty percent. I'm with you that it, they're probably more likely to get a, a more veteran backup. But you know who knows that, that they're they're not gonna they, they want a guy with experience. I don't know if they want right. to pay a guy that you have to pay with this experience. You're, you, it's it get. This is this whole list. This is it gets really hard after this year with the with the borough contract hitting. You assume Chase Jamar Chase is going to be the highest paid wide mm-hmm. receiver in the league. That Orlando Brown's already making all that money. I mean, they've got some guys. They just paid they extended Hendrickson. They paid Logan Wilson. They paid Jermaine. I mean, they've got a lot of money out there. They got some hard decisions to make. And you know, if Jake Browning plays well enough and can win some of these games down the stretch, then then maybe they do ride with him as the backup, but we just don't know yet. We we've got to see more than than six quarters of Jake Browning before we can before at least I feel like I do before I can put uh, a def, a definitive percentage on it. One of those receiver, one of those free agents that you talked about, T. Higgins, I think is probably the biggest question the Bengals are facing this offseason. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about whether he's going to be back next season, whether the Bengals can afford him. What what I have some interesting thoughts I think on what will happen with Higgins. What are your thoughts, Jay? What are your what are your percent chances that Higgins will be back in twenty twenty four? And I think it matches his jersey number. I think it's five percent. <laughs> I just i I don't think. I mean, you just can't you can't put that much money into the wide receiver position. They are all they're going to be all in on Jamar, and T has an agent who is historically difficult to deal with, and and David Mulgetta, and you know, we saw this fight with the Jesse Bates situation, and. I just, I love T. I, I love him as a person. Uh, I, people that that cheer for him maybe don't get to know him. He is a, a really, really good guy, genuine guy, um, and, and a hell of a player. And you know, we, I go back to his his uh, tour on Radio Row last year before the Super Bowl, and and he said he wants to be a number one. He's never going to be a number one here in Cincinnati. He's one A at best, but he's going to be behind Jamar his entire career. Um, I, I, you know, if you just look at is, do you like what this guy can do? You take salary out of it. Yeah, absolutely. You keep him, but that that's not the way it works. Um, he just doesn't fit financially. Um, and if you do, if you try to make, you try to squeeze in another contract like that, 
on this offense, then God help Lou Anarumo next year because this this defense you're going to see more of what it looks like now. You just you can't have that much money sunk into one side of the ball. Okay, I I think there is a zero percent chance that he will get an extension. <laughs> The more I look at it, though, I, I do think the Bengals could use the franchise tag on him, though. And I would put a very high percentage on that. I'm going to go like 85% that they'll franchise tag him. I, what are your thoughts on that? What, what would you put a percentage on, on the franchise tag? I mean, it's going to be, what, 25 million? 22.9 million per over the cap is the projection. Yeah. I mean, they can make it work, but, you know, we talked about, like, T, this whole thing is is – this three game yeah. absence with the hamstring is not related to the contract at all. Zach came out and was adamant about that last week. And, and he's, he doesn't typically talk about timelines on injuries unless he knows for sure. And so for him to come out and say that, I, I believe him that, that, that this has nothing to do with the contract, but we're talking David Mulgetta and, and <laughs> if they put the franchise tag on him. I could see now maybe tag and trade something like who knows, but <laughs> I just the only I, thing okay from the Bengals perspective I think it makes a lot of sense though like I don't see why they wouldn't they're only they're gonna have 84 million dollars in cap space next year per over the cap they have 10 million dollars they can roll over from this season that's almost a hundred million dollars right Joe Burrow's cap number is only 30 million dollars next year yeah, it's gonna jump it, to 46 yeah. in 2025 next we talked about this being the all-in year next year could be really the all-in year so I don't see why for $22.9 million for a receiver of T. Higgins caliber for one year, you're not making a long-term commitment. We know the Bengals don't like their you know, future guarantees. This is a one-year commitment for an all-in, one big chance at the Super Bowl. Next year, the Bengals are 27th in wide receiver spending. They only have three guys under contract, Chase, Charlie Jones, and Yoshivas. That's it. They're only spending $11.8 on, on cap space and receivers next year because Chase's cap hit is only $9.8 million. Even if they put the tag on Higgins, they'd only be spending about $35 million on receivers. That would only be 12th most in the NFL. Add a few, add a few more million for backups, whatever. That That's a fair price to me to have a, to bring back this Jamar Chase-T Higgins combo for one more season. I think you're absolutely right that that T Higgins and his agent would not be happy with that. They, would, they couldn't mm-hmm. hold out. They could threaten things. The Bengals did this with Jesse Bates, and they heard all the same stuff from his camp. And they said, that's fine. We'll, we'll take it as it comes. When the season shows up, we expect you to be here. And he was. That's how the Bengals play. That's how they play games. That's how they do business. I, I think it makes too much financial sense to just let T. Higgins walk away for nothing. Maybe a tag and trade could happen. That that seems a bit much for the Bengals. That seems like something that I don't even know if they would consider to, to consider that option. But I, I think for... For the price and the opportunity to bring Higgins back and go for one more run at the Super Bowl, I think it just makes too much sense. Yeah, you, th- you think now they would have liked to have maybe uh, traded up in the in, back into the first round of that draft and and, and take him one yeah, pick exactly. earlier because now they took him at 33. You don't get that fifth-year option as the first pick of the yeah. second round. They traded back up into that draft, and uh, you know, then the, the rest of that draft after Logan wasn't no. great. Uh, so they, they could have given up some stuff yeah. there. But, yeah, it's – I mean, I don't, I don't rule it. I just, I, it makes sense to do it, but I just, I, I'd be surprised if they tagged him. Um, and, and you know, you, you, you let him walk, and you're talking probably a, a third round oh, comp yeah. pick in 2025 for for him. And so, but you're right. It's even though things get really hard, the it's 
it's that that year yeah. after where, where the borough cap hit really makes it difficult. Um, I'd love to yeah. see it. I'd love to see T Higgins back. He's he's uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room. I just not real confident that it's going yeah. To and then if you look at the other receivers, so Tyler Boyd is also a free agent. I had him much much lower. I had him down at ten percent to come back. I just. This is factoring in my scenario where T comes back on the franchise tag. I think if if you're bringing him back at that cost, there's no way you can bring Tyler Boyd back. You drafted Charlie Jones for a reason. He can play outside, but he's best in the slot. Um, I I think he's just kind of going to be your answer there. You've got Irwin. You've got Yoshivas. You could maybe see time in the slot next season. Um, If they don't franchise tag T Higgins, maybe Boyd could come back on a a cheap deal and maybe be that kind of second receiver, third receiver. And Tyler Boyd's a good player. There's been times when he's been the number one receiver on this team, you know, but I just think his time has come. And um, I I, I think he could actually kind of maybe struggle to find a good deal around the NFL, um, just given that he plays most of his time in the slot and kind of how his numbers have fallen off and won't be playing with Burrow if he goes elsewhere. Um, But but I'd put it low, 10% for Boyd for me. Yeah, I was much higher on him. I was 40%, just, but there's there's a lot, that goes into that. And, and part of it was what you said, you know, we're talking about 29 year old slot receiver. What's the market yeah. going to be? You know, if, if, if I, I could see him wanting to finish it out here and seeing, you know, you, you're talking about guys when they start getting to that age, 30, you start looking around and you know, where's my best chance to mm-hmm. win a ring. And, you know, maybe if Kansas city makes a run at him, he, he says it, but the, the other thing is, do does what's happening right now change the perception inside that locker room where do these guys believe that Cincinnati is their best mm-hmm. place to win a ring? I, I, I don't, I don't know that that's totally gone, but I, I think this is, has been eye opening what, what's happened this season. And yeah, a lot of it's due to the burrow injury. You assume he's going to be healthy and finally have a good training, a, can, a, a healthy training camp and go into the season next year. Um, but I, I do, I just, the. The history that Tyler's had here, the 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 what he's meant to the, the locker room, um, and the the idea that you know run it back mm-hmm. one more year, take a, a team friendly deal to stay where he's comfortable, to stay with one of the best quarterbacks, to stay to be a part of a, one of the better wide receiving groups in the league. Um, I, I could see him him doing that, especially if if there's not a lot yeah. of offers coming from outside places that that have a shot to win a ring. And then what about the tight ends? That's our last skill position we're going to cover. We they're all th- all three of their their primary tight ends, Irv Smith, Tanner Hudson and and uh, Drew Sample are, are going to be free agents. What do you have for them, Jay? What percentages? Um uh, 20 on yeah. Irv. I just don't think I I I I mean they took a shot at one year, 1.8 million. It was it was a low risk um but you know, I, I, I would be stunned if they don't draft the tight end next year. Maybe sign one. I haven't looked at the what who's going to be available in free it's agency. Not great. It's not but, good. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm much high. I mean, I'm 80 percent on Tanner Hudson, 67 on Drew Sample. Those guys are affordable yeah. guys. That I mean, Tanner's really played well this year, and and he, you know, they're gonna need guys in that room. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just. Even if they go out and draft someone, you're still going to want some of these guys that have experience in the league to to kind of help those guys come along, uh, help a rookie come along. Um, and, and Drew Sample is what he is. He's he's uh, a run blocking tight end. It's not like there's going to be a, a huge market for him. Um, he's not making a lot of money. It's going to be the, the same case next year. He's going you're going to be able to get him for a million or two. Um, so I just I, I I would be surprised if Drew Sample is not back. Um, but 
you know, he can't be your, your starter. Oh, no. They're going to have to go out and get a playmaking tight end, which they should have done last year. And they didn't, you assume they learned their lesson from that. Yeah. I'm in the same, same boat as you 20% for Irv, 50% for Tanner Hudson, 75% for Drew Sample. Free agent tight end market is, is not great. Uh, Dalton Schultz is probably going to be the number one guy. Um, I think I, if they don't draft the tight end, I'll be stunned. I'll be absolutely stunned. Yeah. I, I can't see them not drafting a tight end. Um, Maybe, Maybe two. two. One last yeah, exactly. this year. One last offensive player, uh, Jonah Williams, who I think has played really well this season. I just don't see him coming back here. I put 15% that he'll return to the Bengals. And there's a couple of reasons. Um, they've already paid Orlando Brown. I don't think they're going to pay another highly paid offensive tackle. They're not going to franchise tag Jonah Williams. It's going to be $23 million to do that. There's just no chance. Um, I think right tackle will probably be at the top of their wish list for the first or second round of the draft. Um, maybe they could sign someone right tackles a position where you can usually find some affordable guys, even one year guys on cheap deals. But I think they'll have to draft somebody to, to play that right side. I just, I think Jonah will be the highest paid offensive tackle on the 2024 mm-hmm. market. And I just don't think the Bengals can compete with that. Yeah. Someone's going to pay him more money and someone's going to say, come be our left tackle. That's what he wants to do. If he's, he knows if he stays here, He's going to be the right tackle. Um, he's yeah. played well at right tackle. He's, he, I mean, he's really done well for himself this year, uh, setting himself up financially. Um, but, you know, there's – I don't know if it's un- br- water under the bridge, but he obviously was upset when they they didn't even – you know, not only did they not tell him ahead of time because they happened so fast, but there was there was no kind of reaching out by the front office after they got Orlando Brown. And he was he was sour about that. And he put it behind him. He came in. He worked his ass off to learn a new – to learn the – to flip over and learn a new position, essentially. I just, I still think that's kind of in the back of his mind and, and it's more about the future than the past. Anyhow, he's, he wants to be a left tackle in this league and there's just not a path for that here. So yeah, I had him at 20% just because maybe they do. Maybe, I mean, are, are you going to, even if you draft a guy in the first round, you want a rookie out there? Uh, we've seen what this looks like when, when you've got inexperienced guys on the line, they don't, I, I don't have any confidence in any of the, the offensive linemen behind Jonah to, to be a guy that can step in next year. Do you want that investment of Joe Burrow um, having a, a, a rookie out there protecting him? Maybe, well, maybe they go out and find someone in free agency. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be settling. So maybe they do just bite the bullet and, and, and throw a, a big chunk at, at Jonah. Um, I, I, but I, I just, I, I think this is it. I, I, that's why I went 20%. I don't think you want just any rookie, but the Bengals might have a top eight pick. I mean, if, if you've got a, if you've got a top 10 offensive tackle, uh, playing right tackle, I think that could be okay. I think Bengals fans would probably be comfortable with that. Um, I mean, still no, it is. you're still it talking about uh, it, developing a guy and he's probably not going to come out firing as a rookie. And, and we, you know, and we've seen the Bengals him. history of drafting and developing offensive linemen too. It's, it's not, yeah, uh, not, not good. great. Let's talk about the defense. DJ Reader is a free agent. He was the the free agent that I had the most trouble with, honestly, assigning a percentage to. I think mm-hmm. he's just a really, really intriguing case, uh, not not just for the Bengals, but like a really intriguing free agent in general. What what do you, what are your thoughts, Jay? What are your percentages that DJ Reader will be back next season? I went twenty five oh, okay. okay. just because I think I think the the philosophy of this organization organization has changed it's kind of had to change i just don't i don't see them giving contracts to guys over 30 and dj is going to be 30 on opening day next year um 
He's the heart and soul of this defense. He means so much to this locker room. That's the only reason I even have it as high as I do. Um, but he, you know, he's he's kind of anonymous uh, across by fans across the league. But GMs, coaches know exactly what this dude is, and he is a dude. And I, someone's gonna be willing to to pay to bring him in. And I'm not saying the Bengals aren't saying he's he's washed at 30, but it's just it's just math. It's just percentages. You you know at some point these guys, especially you know guys that are in the trenches like that, where it, it just we saw it with Gino, we, we saw it with Carlos Dunlap. They they yeah. fall off in a hurry. They're kind of like running backs where there's really no hint of it. It's like oh they're great one day and then boom, it's it they're just a shell yeah. of themselves. And so. I, I don't I'm not saying that's going to happen to DJ reader, but there's a good chance it could happen. And I, I just, I, I, I think you're going to see them move on from him and uh defensive tackle be some uh, position they target early in the draft next year. Yeah. I, I went slightly higher than you, which usually you're more half glass full than me, but I went a little higher than you. I went 33%, <laughs> but it's, okay. I have the same thoughts as you. I mean, he's on pace to set a career high in, pa- in pass pressures. So he, I think he's done more as a mm-hmm. pass rusher this year. My, my main note was just kind of what you said. How can you replace him? I mean, he is so critical to this defense. Yeah. And there aren't a lot of guys in the NFL who who play this role anymore. <laughs> this kind of big, mm-hmm. hulking, you know, nose tackle guy who's clogging up lanes and taking on two blockers. There aren't a ton of guys who can play this type of role. But age is an issue. You're right. He'll be 30 next season. How much are the Bengals going to be willing to pay him? He's already making, what, $13.25 million a year, I think. He's going to want to raise over that. I mean, are, are the Bengals going to pay him $15, $16 million a year? There were a ton of defensive tackles this offseason who got extended and kind of raised that defensive tackle market. Now, those guys were younger and more you know, pass rushers than, than DJ Reader was, but it still elevates the defensive tackle market overall. I mean, I think... I, th- I think he's going to be he's going to price himself out of the Bengals market, and I think even though we said that twenty twenty four that Joe Burrow's contract isn't going to kick in quite yet, you still have to start thinking down the road and how are these cap hits and in, in future seasons going to affect this roster building and this salary cap. Yeah. A thirty year old defensive tackle, I think, is the kind of guy that you just let walk. I mean, just is a. You even take away the person and, and the leader in the locker room. You you kind of have to just look past all that. And you hate to say it, you hate to say it like this, but you kind of just look at look at it as a number. If you're the GM and say it's a 30 year old defensive tackle, it's a pass for us. I mean, it, it's it's hard, but it's a, it's a cold business. It's a cold reality of the NFL business. As much as DJ Reader means to this team, I just I don't I don't know that he's the type of guy you can afford going forward. Yeah, it's a, you know DJ is one of the uh, the real talk guys in the locker room. He, he tells you exactly what's mm-hmm. on his mind, exactly what's going on. We approached him uh, yesterday, and he said, "I only want to talk about Jacksonville." And he, he said, "I've got thoughts on what's happening, but I don't want to put them out there. I don't want them to be misconstrued." And just even that, I, I think, is you don't want to read too much into it, but um, it just it it feels like there's the the reality is setting in in that locker room of, of what the rest of the season is going to look like and that there's some frustration and um i i was really looking forward to, to get dj's perspective on on what is going on right now with this defense and uh you know he took a pass that's his right to do and, and he was great he was great talking about jacksonville and and all that but uh 
the day after the Pittsburgh yeah. loss. Nobody was really too <laughs> yeah. concerned about yeah. breaking down the Jacksonville yeah, I don't think that's too surprising. Uh, all right, we've got one more free agent here, one more on the defensive side of the ball, Chidobi Abuzie. I been a really, really great free agent signing for the Bengals. I, I think has mm-hmm. overperformed most expectations uh, that, that people had when he came over from the Cowboys. But he's coming off, you know, a torn ACL. He, he's going to be 29 next year. I put it at 10% that he'll be back. It, it's That's it's exactly okay. what I had. It, it's the same reasons we just talked about with DJ Reader, right? He's going to be older. He's looking for a third contract. Cornerbacks, I mean, talk about a position that falls off quickly. Cornerbacks are the poster ch- children for that. I mean, th- these guys hit 30 and it's like, you know, they they fall off a cliff. Cam Taylor Britt, T- DJ Turner are the future at cornerback. I think we've seen that this mm-hmm. season. Maybe we'll see some DJ Ivy down the stretch. Maybe try maybe see if he could be the cornerback three heading into next year. I think Cheeto can still play. I don't, I don't think he's the same guy that he was when the Bengals signed him, but the Bengals have prepared for this. They, they've drafted these younger options. I just, I don't see him coming back. Yeah. Not just drafted him, but you know, yeah. high pick yeah. second rounder for CTB last year, second rounder for DJ turn this year. Wouldn't stun me to see them go corner in the first or second sure. round again this year. They, that's a position they like to load up with and, and be prepared um, you know, years ahead when we've seen it going all the way back a decade uh, when they were drafting Dark Wesdenar and Drake or Patrick mm-hmm. and um, those guys to to come in and learn for a year and then and then take over. So um, I, I'm with you 10%. I think Cheeto's still going to got a couple good years in him. It's just not going to be here in Cincinnati. And then what about guys that could be cap casualties? Um, I think there are quite a few players on this team that we call them cap casualties. It, it, they're, they're more so performance casualties they're cut because their their performance no longer matches their their salary um let's just run through a couple of these guys who i think could be cut and i, th- I think one obvious one is probably joe nixon he's got yeah 8.5 million dollar cap next year uh they could save almost six million dollars by cutting him i put a 10 percent chance he comes back that might even be high <laughs> i think it would have to be like on a restructured deal where he takes another pay cut is he going to be one to do that <laughs> take a pay cut for a second straight season I don't know. That's kind of embarrassing at that point. I, I think the Bengals have to solve this running back situation. Chase Brown didn't play a single snap on Sunday, which I just do not understand. I think he has to get some snaps moving forward because Joe Mixon's not the future at running back. I don't know if Chase Brown's the future, yeah. but they, they've got to figure out a solution. It's not Joe Mixon. Yeah, I've, I, I mean, I've been saying it all along that this is this is going to be it for Joe Mixon, and we've seen, you know, he. This is what happens when when you get to that age. He looked great against Baltimore. They had a good plan. He ran the ball really hard, but the consistency is just not there anymore. Um, you know, it was not good at all against Pittsburgh. He's he's he runs hard, but he's he's not breaking tackles. He's not breaking away. He's he's just it's just a I don't want to say he's a shell of himself, but he's nowhere near the back that yeah. he was early in his career. And you're right, you know, the dead the, they'd have to eat two point eight million in dead cap but they save 8.5 on the cap hit. Um, I, this is it. And we are going to see Chase Brown. It just, they, they, they had plays mm-hmm. for him. Um, and, and, and Brian Callahan said yesterday, because I was kind of of the mindset where, okay, you're dealing with TJ Watt and, and Alex Highsmith and Cameron Hayward. And do they trust Chase Brown to be in there and pass pro? And he said, that is absolutely an important part of, of the decision but they have 100% confidence in Chase Brown in terms of pass pro. It was just they didn't get to the plays that they had for him. They expected to play him. They expected him to have a package of plays, and they only had 40 as it was, and it just didn't work out. I'd, I'd be stunned if we don't see him 
get somewhere at least between five and 10 touches Monday night in Jackson. I think the other veteran who's kind of an obvious cup cut candidate is Nick Scott. I mean, he's obviously yeah. lost his starting role. He played a little bit this week, but not much. $4.3 million cap next year. I had a 1% chance he returns. It's, pro- it's probably more like zero. You know, Bengals are going to hate to cut a guy one year into a three-year deal, but he's not starting. I mean, they're just, there's just I don't see a way he comes back unless he takes a pay cut. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's not it's not that huge it's of a not. savings, and he can be really good on special teams, and, and we saw that he they, they he just completely flipped with Jordan Battle, where, where Jordan Battle hardly played on special teams. Nick had a huge role in special teams, and he was great for the Rams on special teams. And you need those kind of guys, and he could be some sort of insurance there, uh, you know, if anything were to happen. But so I, I I'm not. I don't know what kind of percentage I would put on it, but I could see a path for him to come back just because it's not a, a huge um, savings to get rid yeah. of him. And that is an important role on special teams. The the other guy, the big question in my mind is Jackson Carmen. Yes. Um, you know, 2.4 million cap hit. They'd only have to eat 700,000 in dead money. He's, he's, he's not been anywhere near. I mean, he played well in that Buffalo playoff game and that was like the highlight of his career so far. He's been inactive half the time this year. I, I, is this where they cut bait? If they move on from Jonah Williams, I mean, maybe they keep him around for another year. Cause it, again, it's not super expensive at 2.4 million and you, you just throw bodies at that position and, and, and hope to have some sort of competition in training camp where someone emerges. So I, it would, it, it would kind of be out of character for the Bengals to cut a guy on his rookie deal, especially a position that important, but he's just, he just hasn't shown, you know, any kind of growth there. And I do wonder what, what the thought process is going to be with him. I, I, I put him on. I, I probably go 50-50 right now. I, I put him on there because I think it is a possibility. Um, but I, I, I can see what the thought process would be of keeping him around one more year just to see. Maybe the light goes on. Yeah, he was on my list too. I put him at 65% chance to come back. I, the save, like you said, the savings isn't huge. He has shown some ability in the past. He's, he's a high draft pick. You don't want to give up on a guy. You can't trade him. I mean, I'm sure he has no trade value right now. Yeah. If Jonah Williams leaves, I think you'd probably want to hang on to him as some sort of insurance policy, even though he struggled you know, playing right t- playing any position other than left tackle, really. I, th- I think it'd be tough to give up on him. Um, I don't know if you had anyone else on your list. I had Mike Hilton on my list just as a consideration. I think he's very likely to return. I had him at 70% to return. They would save about $6.5 million if they cut him. I don't, I think he's fallen off. I, I don't think he's been as good this year as he has been in years past. I think he still could play a role. I think he still uh, is a good run defender. Like you, you mentioned earlier, he gave up a big play on Sunday, but he also had some good plays getting a little older. And I don't think they have, I don't think the Bengals have an excellent slot replacement unless you're just like going to commit to Dax Hill playing there. So I think, I think Mike Hilton is probably likely to come back. Um, I don't know if he was on your, on your list at all. Do you think he's a consideration to get cut? I, I don't, I, I, I'm with you. You know, he's, he has fallen off this year, but part of it's been, they've, they've kind of taken away what, what he does best. I mean, he came here with the, the reputation of being the best blitzing yeah. slot corner in the league and, and lose blitz more this year than he has in the past, but he's, He's been doing it with the outside guys and with the linebackers. I just you haven't seen a lot, uh, and maybe maybe that's because he he doesn't think that Mike can do it yeah. anymore. But it, it has been curious. Um, but he's another guy. He's one of those leaders on the defense, and um, I I just I think they'll honor that contract and and ride it out. And then you know he would be a free agent yep. next year. That next twenty twenty four will be it for him. 
I didn't have anybody else who I think is likely to get cut. I, the only other people I even thought of, so Ted Karras has a $7.4 million cap hit. I, I think he's been okay. I, I, you know, $7.4 million in, in the 2023, 2024 NFL is really nothing. I, I, I had like 95% chance he returns. They'd have, they'd have to draft a first round center or something for Ted Karras not to come back. But I, I, I do think, that's a position where they might start thinking about it a long-term upgrade because Karras only has one more year on his contract. Um, so I, I do think that's a position. The other guy I wanted to mention, don't think he's going to get cut. Joseph Osai didn't play a single snap on Sunday. I don't, I don't really know what's going on with him. I had a lot of very high expectations coming into the year. You know, he played in the third preseason game and then got hurt and that limited him earlier in the year. And then this year he's done nothing. I, I don't think they're going to cut him obviously, yeah, could he be traded? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where where he stands, kind of in the in the edge rushing pecking order right now. It obviously it's obviously behind Miles Murphy and Cam Sample and Trey Hendrickson and, and Sam Hubbard. I mean, I don't know. I think this is a guy you you would love to have as like an auxiliary pass rushing piece for the rest of this year and into next year. But it seems like he's fallen down the depth chart quite a bit. Yeah, he has, and they've they've talked about how he's just not back to full strength yet from the shoulder surgery in the off season. And, um, and the, the other part of it is what we talked about earlier, where you got to see what you got in these yeah. young guys. Um, and, and it was, it was Sunday was about miles Murphy and, and getting him in there. Um, so I, I, yeah, I'd be really surprised if they cut Joseph Osai just because he is on that rookie deal. He's affordable. And I think they still like his upside. And if you, if you get him into this off season healthy and he can have a, a full healthy off season to get stronger and, and get back to, to what he was at the end of last year, um, I, I think that would be the plan. But it is, it was surprising to it, it, the whole season's been surprising how, how little we've seen of him. Yeah, and he's only twenty three years old. I mean, he still could be yes. a long term piece for this team. You, you don't know. Was there anybody else that you had? I, I didn't have anybody else that was a potential cut next year. I think the guys we mentioned, I think, are, are pretty cut and dry. Did you have anybody else? I had Devin Harper just because, you know, they claimed yeah, him yeah. on waivers, so they had to take the whole contract. It's still, you know, I, I think he's due $1 million yeah. next year, and there would be no dead cap to cut him. And I, I think I'd, I'd be surprised if they cut him. They'll bring him back, let him see what happens in camp. But he's another guy that's that's been inactive mm-hmm. and basically just a, a special teamer. Um, but that's – we're talking we're, – we're really getting into the roster <laughs> minutia there. Getting, we're, we're, we're getting talking the Devin here, Harper. Yeah, yeah we yeah. are. No, I think it'll be a very interesting offseason, just for all the reasons that we mentioned. Interesting players hitting the market, interesting financial situation both next year and in the future. The T. Higgins situation balanced against the potential Jamar Chase extension. There, There's a lot going on next offseason, and I, I'm interesting, interested to see how the Bengals kind of proceed with everything. Um, so that's how we see next offseason going. Let's talk about Monday. Let's let's get back to the near term, to, 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 to what's going on right now. Bengals have a Monday night football game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Should have been a huge game. Should have been a huge AFC game for, yeah. you know, number one seeding potential and fighting for playoff positioning. It's not that now <laughs> with Joe Burrow not, not on the field. Uh, Jacksonville's playing really well. They beat Houston on Sunday. Um, they're, they've, they're on a really good streak. You know what they kind of remind me of is the 2022 Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> they keep going on this long, going on this long run. You know, a young quarterback with elite weapons and an improving defense. Um, really, really talented team. They they were my surprise Super Bowl pick before the year, and I, I'm kind of happy with that. Kind of happy with that selection. Um, injury wise, seems like T. Higgins and Cam Tillerbrit are going to be able 
they're at least trending towards being able to play this week, which is huge yeah. for the Bengals. Obviously, be really big for Jake Bryan to get another another pass catching option available for him on uh, Monday night. Jay, what are your thoughts on this game? I mean, I it's going to be tough. Jacksonville is is an elite team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They they've since week four they've really gone on this huge run. Their only loss have, has been to the San Francisco 49ers, who are obviously another elite team. Uh, since that time, they're top 10 in offensive and defensive efficiency. So I think they're a very balanced team with options on offense and defense who can hurt you. What, do you, what are your thoughts on this game just from like a top line perspective? Yeah, your, your, your uh, analogy with last year's Bengals team, I, I think, is spot on because it was, you know, is that they got whipped on Halloween in Cleveland and then they went on that run and it's the same thing with you know, Jacksonville got their butts kicked by San Francisco and they've really turned it and they were playing well before that. Um, but I, I do, I, I, this is feels like a team that's really kind of hitting its stride. Um, the, the, they're, they're going to be without Cam Robinson, their left tackle. So that's a, a, a big advantage for Trey Hendrickson to try to get after Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what's, what's interesting about this is, so it's going to be Walker little mm-hmm. um, who's going to start at left tackle. And Bengal fans may won't remember him because he was a guy that was high on their list uh, in the 2021 draft. And he went one pick yep. before Jackson Carmen. Um, and then if you look on the other side of the Jacksonville offensive line, they're starting a rookie in Anton Harrison, who a lot of Bengal fans wanted sure. the Bengals to take last year. He went one pick before the Bengals picked Miles Murphy. Um, so, and the Jaguars signed Keaton Sutherland this week to the practice squad to, to get some intel on the on the yeah. Bengals. So there, there's a, a lot of weird connections there with the, the Jaguars' offensive line. Um, it, it's funny because you know it's going to be a conversation again. 15 straight losses in primetime on the road. Uh, this is the Jaguars' first Sunday slash Monday primetime game since 2011. They've if they've been in primetime, it's been yeah. on Thursday nights. Uh, this is kind of a new territory for them. It's also New, they opened as seven and a half point favorites. It's moved to eight point favorite. Um, I went back and I looked. I was like, how often are they favored by that many points um, since 2018? Just four times, and they've lost three of those games mm-hmm. outright. They were favored by ten against Tennessee in 2018, lost nine to six. Favored by seven and a half against Washington in 28, lost 16 to 13. And then earlier this year, at week two, week three. Uh, favored by nine and a half against Houston, and they got yep. whipped in that game, 37 to 17. So. Unfamiliar spot as a favorite. Unfamiliar spot in prime time at home. Um, I, I think this is going to be a close game. Um, I, 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 I can't pick the Bengals to win, but I, I really think that this is going to kind of look like the game we we thought it would uh, earlier in the year, where it's going to be a tight game. Uh, it's going to come down to to late where we're going to see the Bengals run the ball. We're going to see Chase Brown finally. Going to see T Higgins back in in action. It's it's. It's, this is the perfect way for them to kind of leave the Pittsburgh game behind. And if this team is is salty about what everybody on the they, – they always say they don't listen to the outside noise, but they hear it. They're like, oh, this, this team's a fraud. It was all Joe Burrow. They can't do anything without Joe Burrow. They're going to wear that. They're going to they're, they're gonna have a chance to step on the national stage on Monday Night Football and, and, and be able to say, look, we're still the Bengals even without Joe Burrow. This is still a good team. This is still a good roster. So I, I think we're going to see a really entertaining, competitive game Monday night. I like your optimism. <laughs> I, w- I wish I shared it. I, <laughs> I, I just 
the Bengals couldn't do anything against against the Steelers. They couldn't stop the Steelers. I mean, Jacksonville has so much, so many more weapons than than the Pittsburgh mm-hmm. Steelers. Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, Travis Etienne. I mean, I, I just don't see how they're going to be able to, to stop this offense. Walker Little, yeah, he he's playing left tackle now, but he played left tackle earlier this season when Cam Robinson was suspended for yeah. four games. So it's not like it's a huge, you know, change for him. He's he's played there before. He's played guard. Yeah, and I and I think I'm worried about Jake Browning being under a ton of pressure. Josh Allen, not not the Bills, Josh Allen, the Jaguars, Josh yeah. Allen is also having an incredible season, like probably his best season. He's going to be a free agent next year. Can't imagine the Jags won't franchise tag him. Uh, he's going to be going against Jonah Williams. I, I think that'll be a good battle to watch. And then on the other side, Trevon Walker, last year's number one overall pick, I think has has shown some stuff this season, shown some improvement over his production from last season. Going to going up against Orlando Brown, another good battle. Um, I. I just don't see how the Bengals are going to be able to put up points against this team, against this defense, because Jacksonville is really good against the run. And the Bengals, as we've, we've talked about plenty, can't run the ball anyway. So I, I, I don't see Joe Mixon or Chase Brown or whoever gets the touches really being able to get anything going on the ground. So then you're asking Jake Browning to win you a game. Uh, and even if T. Higgins comes back and Jamar Chase is there and Tyler Boyd is there and there's weapons for, for Jake Browning to throw to, and even if Tyson Campbell doesn't play, who's Jacksonville's top corner? He's missed the past two games with an injury. I still think this Jacksonville Jaguars defense has too many solutions uh, when Jake Browning is under center. I just don't, I just, could it be a good game? Yes. I think the Bengals coaching staff on both sides of the ball has enough ideas to at least make this competitive. I, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's not going to be close. It, we'll, we'll get to our final score predictions here in a second. But for me, Jacksonville is just one of these NFL teams that's truly in that, maybe not first tier with the Eagles and Niners and those teams, but right in that second tier of NFL teams, whereas the Bengals trending trending more towards the bottom third of the league right now. Yeah, and, and if you just want to look at the Jekyll and Hyde and the history of only four times in Bengals history have they had a four-game winning streak and a four-game losing streak in the same season. That's what's on the mm-hmm. line here. And not only would it be same season, it would be back-to-back. They would go from winning four in a row to losing four in a row right after that. That's never happened for the Bengals. I don't know how happened, how often it's happened yeah. league-wide, but just be a really weird thing. Uh, but again, that's you know that that, that doesn't that's just history numbers. That doesn't speak to the actual matchups on the field. Um, but I'm with you. I, I think it's. It's going to be hard for them to score points, um, but I do think the defense can can keep Jacksonville in range. Uh, and again, I'll get to my final score pick here in a little bit. But um, I'm I'm encouraged that this this could be uh, an entertaining game. I mean, that's what the NFL is. The games are close, Absolutely. no matter how lopsided they look like. And um, you know, it's do do you say never bet against the trend, or you say look, they're due yeah. at some point. They have to win a game in primetime on the. I mean, you would think so. Is it gonna is it gonna be this week? I don't know. Let, let's get into it. Let's get into our predictions for the week. Uh so every week we're doing one non-Bengals bet and one Bengals based bet. Jay, where are we at for for this week? I, I think I had a decent week last week. Decent being the operative. Yeah, order. you were undefeated. Uh we we you went over on the Jake Browning rushing yards and we couldn't find I couldn't find that prop. So I just gave you a push Thank on you. that. Uh so you went your your other pick your non Bengals bet was Rams minus a half point uh, against the the Cardinals and and that you easily won that so you were undefeated yes. last week uh, Brian and I cannot say the same thing the I, I know there's a lot of people out there pissed off at the Lions that that had made it pretty far in their <laughs> yeah. survivor pools and they got wiped out um, 
I, I went with a uh, teaser, uh, Lions minus one and a half, and I pushed the Steelers up to plus six, and so I lost that one. But I did have Denver minus two and a half against Cleveland. I won that one. Uh, Brian went with the Steelers in the in the Pickham game against the Bengals. He won that, but he had Raiders plus nine and a half. Look for a while. They were up 14 nothing. It looked like yeah, that was yeah. going to be a win, but they ended up uh, losing by 14 to the Chiefs. So he went one and one. So uh, Brian is still in the lead at minus 10. I'm second at minus 22. And you're, you're, you drew a little closer. You're now at minus 50. All right. Let's try and get a little closer here with this. My non Bengals <laughs> bet for the week. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers minus five at home against the Panthers. Okay. I Panthers just fired Frank Reich. They've got they promoted their special teams coordinator to interim head coach. This does not remind me of the situation with the Raiders where everybody was rallying around Antonio Pierce and they hated Josh McDaniels and they went out and, and won a game the next week. This doesn't remind me of that at all. The Carolina Panthers are a directionless franchise that's really going nowhere. And I it seems like there's a lot of issues going on there that we might not even know about behind the scenes. Tampa Bay, I think, has been actually pretty impressive this season. They've gotten a little unlucky. I, I just five points. I think they're much better than five points better than the Carolina Panthers right now at home. I'll, I will take that all day. I, I went the complete opposite. I, I went <laughs> for, for on, my non Bengals no bet. I was like, give me Carolina. And it's by okay. rule. Anytime, any sport, a team fires a coach <laughs> midseason, you bet on them in the next game. It's, it's not like you, you said, it, it was a with, with the Raiders, it was everybody wanted yes. Josh McDaniels gone. And it was this release. Uh, but even in this case, where I, I think Frank Reich still had that locker room, this was just a, a knee jerk reaction by David Tepper, probably the wrong move. Um, Frank Reich's got skins on the wall in this league. He's a good coach. So it's more a matter of when you make a move like that, you put everybody on notice that, hey, my job's mm-hmm. not safe. And it, it, there's there's just the, the inspiration comes from there. And again, it's Tampa Bay is, I think, better than people think. But this is a division game. I, I think it's going to be close. Five points feels like a lot. Um, so that's I'm going to go Carolina. I, I I saw it at five and a half, but we'll we'll I'll go with I'll take five. We'll we'll go. You you take Tampa minus okay. five. I'll take Carolina plus five, and we'll see which one of us comes out. If, on top. if Vita Vea lands on Bryce Young, Bryce Young's career might be over. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean that I think that's a that's a realistic outcome. Big man. <laughs> um, uh, okay. Did Brian have a, uh, a non Bengals bet? Yeah, he uh, he hasn't been following the rules. No, he, he doesn't do a Bengals when he, he does. does two. He does, I mean, I don't think he's had a Bengals bet all year. Um, he he has a and I wrote down what his opponents this week. So um, he's he's going with a money line parlay. He's taking the Texans um, against the the Broncos and he's taking the Lions against New okay. Orleans. And again, just money line, um, not the points. Uh, and then his other one, the game of the week. I think the game we all want to see: uh, 49ers Eagles. He's going over 46 and a half okay. in that game. No, it's a, that's, a, that's a good pick. I like that, too. I can't wait for that game. Um, yeah. Okay. My Bengals pick. I don't think it's going to surprise anyone. I, I, I'm going with the Jaguars. I've got it 26-15 Jaguars. I'd love to, I love to go with these weird scores because the scores are never as neat as you think they're going to be. You know, it's always these weird numbers. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I, I want to have faith. I really do. You laid out, I think, excellently how this could be a competitive game, and, and I think we – We'd all love to, any Bengals fan would love to see Jake Browning have a little bit better performance and see the pieces around him come into place and really lift him up a little more than they did last week. All of that's on the table, absolutely. But I think when, it, when I come down to my prediction, I just don't see it. I think Jacksonville's too good. I think Trevor Lawrence is playing really well. And, and I think 
this Jacksonville defense is really going to be be the one that kind of stops stops the Bengals offense in its tracks. And it, I, I just don't see it. I just cannot see Jake Browning going into Jacksonville and, and pulling out a, a primetime win at, at this point in his career. So I'm going to go 26-15. Jacksonville takes the victory. Yeah, I'm not going to pick a win, but I'm I'm – we're on opposite nice. sides again. It's warring factions. I'm I'm going Bengals plus eight in this one. I added it at seven and a half, but I'll give you the half. I'll give you the half point in Carolina Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay game. I'll <laughs> yeah, take the right, half right. point on this one. Um, so I'm going to go Bengals plus eight on this one. I just it's the nature of the NFL. It's it's going to be a close game, um, and I, I eight's a lot. It is. It, it it just I have to go back and look and see the last time the Bengals. <laughs> We're, uh, we're underdogs yeah. at eight points or more. I'm sure it's been a very long time. I'm sure it has too. It's I I, I can't wait for this game. Because I, it's, it's good to see the Bengals in prime time at, at any point. But man, I would I would love to see, and I think any Bengals fan would love to see some improvement over what we saw on Sunday. And maybe maybe it'll happen, and maybe they'll kick off a run where Jake Brennan kind of looks like a competent NFL quarterback and can can make himself the backup quarterback in this team for a long time. We don't know. We don't know. But Jake. We'll be watching on Monday. Anything else before we go, before we sign off for this episode and look forward to, to Monday night? Well, I got to give my pick. I, I, I went to oh, Jacksonville 21-17. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm trying to, cut you, trying to end we, the episode before I even yeah. let you do your pick. Sorry about no, that. That's, and we talked about it last week. It didn't work out, but the, the Bengals had that crazy 27-8-1 yeah. record uh, in orange jerseys. They have never lost in white helmets, and they're wearing <laughs> the, uh, the white Bengal on Monday night. So, uh, that's not enough for me to pick them, but again, I just I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be competitive. I think they can they can keep the Jaguars in range um, and figure out a way to get more than ten points this week. Um, so I'm going 21-17. I don't know. Does that mean the Jaguars score a touchdown in the final two minutes to win it? Does it mean the Bengals are driving in the final two minutes and there's a Jake Browning turnover? I'm not I'm not ready to go that deep into how it's going to play out, but um, I, I think they they cover the eight right. points. All right, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting game, I think, from all from all facets. An interesting one to watch. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Uh, I think we're recording our normal time next week, even though the Bengals are playing on Monday. So we'll recap that game. Look forward to the rest of the season, and we'll talk about uh, Week 13. So thanks again for listening. Please come to Pro Football Network. Check out all of our coverage. Give us a like. Give us a review. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the good things to make sure you're following this podcast. And we will talk to you next week.